Welcome to Adama Stars, Naked Truths. My name is Junior and I'm a filmmaker, an entrepreneur, a husband to an amazing wife and a father of two wonderful children. The purpose of this podcast is to share my and other people's life experiences to help equip us with the tools necessary to get through trauma. The fortunate thing is that, you know, both houses were about a 10 minute walk from each other. So keeping a watchful eye on everyone was possible. Every week, you know, our foster parent would give us a packed lunch and a fiver. Back when the fiver could actually get you a whole leap. And tell me and my brother, um, you know, to go out for the entire day. Keen to reach out, you know, to our parents, you know, when both myself and my brother devised a plan to go back to the area that we grew up in, in Hackney, and see if we could track and track them down. You know, we wanted to be reunited, as it were. On most weekends, we would walk from Homington to Hackney Central until we were familiar with the bus routes. We remember Dolston being the cool area. It was like Dolston and Stockton being the cool areas that our parents used to go to sell most of their stolen particulars um, as well as you know top up on their addiction i remember an occasion when we saw our mother coming out of a store and start learning i was so happy to see a familiar face you know that's my mother there right so both myself and my brother we were so overjoyed with the hope that you know we're going back home i our actual home, you know, not someone else's home. So, you know, we, you know, we ran across the road screaming her name. Startled, she turned around in shock and yelled at us, saying, "Shimmy, you know, shout my name, you know, and why? What are you doing here?" I remember saying, "You know, we missed you, you know, like we want to come back home." And she said, "Go back, and she will come for us soon." Somewhat content, you know, um, with her response, we walked back home, you know, happily that we would be, you know, with the thought that, you know, we can we can be going back home. We're actually going to be going back home. We saw our mother. Nothing ever transpired. And that was probably one of the last times that we actually saw our mother. The other occasion is when we saw our dad selling suits again, somewhat more receptive tearful while embracing us. We told him if he knew that we were all in foster care again and mummy wasn't able to look after us anymore. Bewildered, I guess he didn't know. Honestly, I'm not too sure if he ever noticed as he hardly was ever home. We spent a few hours hanging out and we followed him into shops, you know, playing games as he desperately tried to sell suits. It was fun, I guess, you know, hanging out with, you know, then our hero. I remembered him giving us some money and telling us that he would speak to our mother. Even though brief, it was awesome seeing our father. That was probably the last time that I ever saw the man that I called my father again. Despite all the glimpses of hope experienced from seeing our parents, our situation wasn't getting any better with the grief from our foster parent worsening by the day. And so on one of the Saturdays that we, we, your brother, were meant to be going out, the thought hit us. 
or me in particular, about my auntie. I asked my brother if he remembered her. He said, yes, she was always nice to us. And she remembered that you know, she would always give us lots of Super Bowl. I'm like, yes, I remember that. The Super Bowl was lit. Um, and, you know, and I thought, maybe, just maybe, she would help us. We both looked at each other and surprisingly agreed that our auntie was the only person that could help us now. Now, I like to imagine that me and my brother were like cat and dog. Like we, we, we didn't really like each other, you know? And on most days we spent fighting. Um, as I had to mentally grow up a lot more faster, you know, connecting with my younger brother, as well as my younger siblings in general, was difficult, you know? Um, he was still a child, like many of my, my so-called friends or people around me, mentally anyway. Furthermore, foster care was the only time that working together had become a thing, because if it wasn't for that, yeah, we'd still be fighting. Anyway, so there were two major issues. One, I didn't have her number, and two, I didn't know her address. But we remembered key things, such as her door number and color, the area that she lived in, which was next to a shopping center that we remembered, that the bus 67, that was yellow back then, stopped opposite the road we needed to get off and walk down, which was opposite Sega Park for those that can remember. Regardless of the lack of exact info, we were committed to the adventure in finding our only hope, our auntie. So we finally get to the state that we remembered she lived in and asked a few people if they knew her door number and behold, there it stood, the red door. My heart beat rapidly and I started sweating. As much as she was family, she was also a stranger. Anyway, I took a deep breath and I knocked the door. She opened and stepped forward. I quickly asked if she remembered me and my brother and that we were her sister's children. Surprised, she nodded her head, bewildered in why we were even here. I explained as fast as I could and broke down our situation and asked if she would and could help us. At this point, my auntie was in tears as she didn't know. You know she, she genuinely didn't know. No one told her anything. She gave us her number, some supermodel, <laughs> And she said, yes. The first time that we had been given real hope in our life. That day changed our life forever. 12 months later, we were all under one roof with my auntie and her children. Not only did my auntie take all five of us in, she fed us several times a day, sent us all to school, protected us, clothed us, but more importantly, she gave us a childhood. It was paradise. 12 people live in a three-bedroom house, screaming, fighting, eating, and all the things that children do. It was a dream. As always, I'm going to stop here. So my three main observations. One, never stop dreaming, hoping, and believing. Two, when your moment comes, stand and plead your case. Three, appreciate what you have. So number one, never stop dreaming. 
the only thing that I prayed for every night was that we would stick together as a family and that I would get a good job and feed the family. As a child, that's all I knew. That's all I had. Now, I had no clue in how this was going to pan out as we were always separated and the foster parent of my younger sibling wanted to adopt him. My foster parent gave me grief every day and she even had a police officer pick me up to put the fear of prison in me. I had to keep hoping as it's impossible to please the most high as well as attain your dreams without faith. Something I guess I simply believed without question as a child. We had an idea coupled with a childlike conviction. We will find this lady, this, this person and that everything will change. How? We didn't know. When? We didn't know. But all we knew is that it had to happen. Two. When the moment comes, stand and plead your case. I think this was a real turning point for me personally. I remember crying whilst telling my auntie our situation. I had to state what we wanted. If I was shy or allowed that moment to pass us by, then so would have our salvation. Being definite in what you want from life and making a decision, even though crude, is vital. We were fortunate that we pleaded our case on receptive loving ears. I believe a combination of having an idea and constant action led us to our salvation. And lastly, three, appreciating what you have is vital. Until this day, I still acknowledge my auntie in what she did for me, let alone my siblings. The thought of having 10 children to raise, all needing feeding, clothing, and giving them your best while remaining sane, to this day, I marvel at. She didn't have much, but what she gave us was more than just a home. She gave us a hope. Whatever she needs to this day, I make sure she, she has, despite the fact that she has her own children. Even when she's clearly wrong, I respect her enough to accept and be still. The battles that this lady has had to endure, the lack of support she received, coupled with the amount of rubbish that she's that has been thrown her way because she cared enough to love five children when no one else decided or was willing to do so. Constant reminds me how remarkable this lady is. No matter how far I go, I remember how things were before she said yes. Before my auntie, we weren't living. We were desperately surviving at best. I'm not sure if my auntie listens to any of these streaming platforms, but I thought I would publicly say how much I love you. Auntie, I love you. I am who I am today because you decided to love five strangers and give us all hope that one day we will have the opportunity to live out our wildest dreams. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And that brings me to the end of this part of this episode. I hope it has helped someone, even if it's just one person, keep on fighting. Please send me your messages as it would be great to hear your thoughts on similar battles and grow together. Thank you.